Boys and girls of Payne County, Oklahoma. Boys and girls. You have uh, tuned in to another episode of Pastors of Pain. We are uh, the priests of Stillwater, Oklahoma. USA. There are, are actually, uh, I should say, there are four priests in Payne County, mm-hmm. if you did not know this. I am Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church. Uh, uh, Father Robert Duck, who was on the show last week, he is uh, the associate pastor. Then we got Father Kerry. Yo, yo. There he is, uh, who's the pastor at St. John Catholic Student Center in uh, on the campus of Oklahoma State. And then Cushing, Cushing, Oklahoma, St. Peter and Paul in Cushing. Is it really? Is in Payne County. Is it like on the edge? Cushing is in Payne County. Anyway, wow. Father, shout out to Father Emmanuel over at uh, uh, St. Peter and Paul in Cushing. Interestingly, Father Robert and I are going to go in January. Father Emmanuel is going back uh, to Nigeria to visit his family. Father Robert and I get to cover the parishes. One weekend in Cushing, Drumright, and Pawnee. Shout out to all those places. And then the next weekend, Father Robert will, will make the circuit in Whoa. those three places. That'll be fun. Me, I'll be on vacation. Cool. Whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, uh, we have our big uh, student leadership summit with focus. But you'll be, this will be like, this will be after school's back. Oh, is it really? Late, mid to late. Oh, I'm busy. Mid to late January. <laughs> he didn't ask you to cover because you don't have anyone. You don't have a backup. Yeah. Father Robert and I have backups each other. Oh. Oh, okay. Bam. Uh, so last week we had a funny show. Father Robert was on, and we and we went through uh, <laughs> a spirited discussion on uh, our favorite. Saints. What about uh, tiny obscure, saints? We forgot the little obscure tiny saints. saints whatever. <laughs> you know how you get those like yes, little bitty rubber tiny saints? Yes. Don't send me any. People like give them well, to me. Well, they're so small. They like get in the way. Yeah, I don't want them. I have a Saint Francis Xavier in my uh, in my drawer. Is that what you wear as an earring? Sometimes <laughs> when you're. I'm <laughs> just kidding. That's it, funny. I do not have an earring. <laughs> no, you don't. Have an earring. Um. So in uh, I we had a um. Spit it out. Go there's ahead. a. <laughs> So I, I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, and uh, you grew up Saint uh, Saint Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, Friends of Jesus Catholic Church, <laughs> longest the name. longest name of any Catholic church in the country, I think. And you know, there there's I think every every priest, and I think every religious, every every sister, every brother, um, that there's there are stories that right there's a reason when uh, and people ask us a lot like how. Like, when did you know? That's probably the most common question that priests get. It's like, when did you know you wanted to be a priest? And it's very interesting. But was you, it but, wasn't an arranged marriage to the priesthood? But if you listen, if you listen to most priests, like they'll they just they have very interesting stories. You know, there's guys that we know and we went to seminary with who they've known since they were five that they wanted to be a priest. <laughs> right? That's not me, and I know that's not you. Uh and then there's guys who, you know, maybe were, were teenagers, kind of when that seed got planted. Maybe guys who were in college, uh, after college. So anyway, it's just very interesting. So in my in my life, um, are we giving our vocation stories today? Yeah, let's. I thought we might just oh, share. Oh, you know what? A this is bit. like Vocation Awareness Week. So we're at the tail end now oh. of uh, of a week in the in the church where we we're always we should always be uh, supporting and promoting vocations to the priesthood and religious life. But we're we're coming up on the end of, of this week where the church kind of pays a particular attention to promoting vocations. And so, anyway, I lost a good friend, um, Mary Rose Bukley. Who? Oh, that lady at you the said. Pr- at the age of 98. <laughs> um, she died on uh, in October the 21st. 
Wait, wait, is this the little old lady who? Yes. Oh, that's I her. Love this story. Go. So my, so you know, I think most priests they'll tell you the major influences in their life. Uh, most of the time, uh, many times are are like parents, grandparents. Right. Sure. Maybe if you had like a priest in your own family, which most priests don't, but but some do. Well, the first person outside of my kind of mother and grandmother who ever encouraged me to be a priest was Mary Rose Bukley. And Mary Rose, I mean, when I was in sixth grade, Mary Rose was already in her 70s, (laughs) probably, right? Um, But anyway, she just died at the age of 98 and and just lived an incredible life. Very holy woman, uh, devoted to, certainly loved the Eucharist, devoted to Mass and adoration, loved our Blessed Mother, um, but loved loved the poor. She and my mom used to do a. Uh, they called it their bread route. They would go around to the, to the various like restaurants and grocery stores in uh-huh. Kingwood, Texas, where I grew up, and they would collect the bread, kind of Panera and other you know Walmart and stuff, and they would collect it and then they would bring it to. There was like a, tra- a trailer park in New Caney, which is like the town next door, and they would bring it there every Friday. And and would give it out to the people who and you could just show it. up and get bread. Yep, and they would. There would also be some ministry. Somebody would say, "Oh, I need. I also need a bed, or I need a trip. You know, I need a, a ride to my doctor." Or so all this ministry kind of came about. But anyway, Mary Rose was just right in the in the center of it. So when I was a kid, she was very encouraging of me. I'm in sixth, sixth grade. Like, you should have you ever thought about being a priest? She would say to me, "Really?" And sixth was the grade. first person outside of my own family. Whoever encouraged me. So then, fast forward. Uh, last year, I actually told this story at mass the other day, but I only it was only <laughs> Did at you the, really? it was only at the five o'clock Saturday night because that was the only English mass I was preaching that weekend. So only people at the five o'clock, and it was homecoming, so like hardly anyone was there. So only a few people heard the story. When I uh, now all of Payne I County graduated from the college world. and then was a graduate student at the University of Notre Dame and met a nice girl, and we started and we were dating. Uh, Karen and I were dating. And we, it was, it was good. It was like, it was going, it was, it had, it had momentum. It had, it was going somewhere. So at Christmas break, um, I went home to Houston and okay. Karen came with me. Oh, so she got to meet, she met my family. Well, this is a big step. So we go to mass, of course. She was Catholic. I'm Catholic. We go to mass and I introduce Karen oh. to Mary Rose. Oh, well, your other woman, Mary Rose, the... So Mary Rose, always cordial, always polite, wonderful, holy woman, meets Karen, all good. So then uh, I go back over the summer, uh, and this was Karen and I had broken up. (laughs) Oh, and it was. Oh, you went back where? You went back. I went back to Houston. Oh, we went from. So I was home at Christmas, and then home in the summer. So I go back and I go to mass, and I'm by myself, and I see Mary Rose. Uh oh. And Mary Rose says, "Quote." Oh, how's that girlfriend of yours? And I said, Oh, actually, Mary Rose, we, you know, we we broke up. Mary Rose says, quote, <laughs> Oh, good. I've been praying for that. <laughs> so Mary Rose yes. Bukley, you know, we just celebrated All Saints, you know, where we we All Saints is is about not the saints necessarily that we know about. It's about mm-hmm. kind of all these other Mary Rose has got to be in that. Got to be in that. Um, is she like the w- the widow from the 
parable of the unjust judge from a couple weeks ago in the gospel, in the gospel of Luke? Yes. Just, <laughs> she just, like gets the judge to bend his will yes. to hers. She just was an incredible influence, both by her example, but then also, and this is where I think uh, in, in, here in Payne County and, and wherever you live, like we don't encourage young people enough by, with our words. We sort of have this assumption. We see you. I, I know you do. Whoever you are, you see people at mass, young people, uh, or you see college students, or you see whether you know maybe from the little kid, maybe serving mass to a high school student, uh, maybe maybe a young adult. You see them, and you see how devout they are, or you see their their their, their heart, and you think to yourself, "Wow, that guy, that guy'd be a great priest or a brother." Um, that young woman, wow, she would be a really great religious sister. And then we don't say anything. Why do you think we do that? I just, I think, think sometimes there's anything? a lot of there's fear. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to. It's kind of embar- it can be embarrassing, or um, oh, I'm sure someone else has told them. A- and what I just want to encourage is that we, not, we, you got to speak up. Um, one of the reasons that I'm a priest today is because Mary Rose Bukley spoke up. Now, maybe she said that to every boy in the parish. I'm anti-praying your girlfriend. Yeah. Maybe that was just <laughs> she had a continuous 54-day novena against girlfriends. Uh but I don't think so. I think she she saw something in me as a little kid and said I got to say something. And then she did. And it and it was greatly encouraging to me. And to this day, years later, decades later, um so anyway, we got we got to speak up. We got to speak up. When if it had been for Mary Rose, you wouldn't be the pastor of pain. Put her there, brother. Maybe not. Maybe not. Who encouraged you? Did you have who outside of your family? So obviously your your family's wonderful and Catholic and very encouraging. Knowing that my mother and father do not listen to this podcast, I can say this openly. I don't think they ever mentioned I should be a priest. Well, they're not opposed to it. Well, they're not opposed to it, but they yeah. never like, hey, you should think about being a priest. I think they were more shocked by it than anything, because at the age of seven, I knew what I was going to do in life. My my goal what, what was at the that? my goal at the age of seven, I was going to go into the Air Force and work on airplanes, and then spend twenty five years in the Air Force. Uh, and after my twenty five years in the Air Force, I was going to design and build and work for a company that does hypersonic research aircraft. You because, knew this at the age of seven? Yes, because my first girlfriend was the X-15, which travels like 4,000 miles an hour and was dropped out of the belly of a plane. Uh, that was my first girlfriend, the X-15. A, basically, a strange name for a, a girl. Sh- I know. Uh, she was beautiful. She flew fast and <laughs> off we go into the wild blue yonder. So, I, I mean, that was my goal was to spend 25 years in the Air Force. So I had no plans to be a priest. So no one, I mean, when I was younger, no one encouraged me. So what, I think what, a couple of things happened. There was this moment where uh, there was this guy named Father Dan Muggenberg, also known as Bishop Dan Muggenberg, now the Auxiliary Bishop of Seattle, and a guy named Ken Harder, now known as Father Ken Harder, uh, were, uh, were visiting Bishop Kelly High School. And he... Father Dan, Bishop Muggenberg, worked there at the time. And so he got a bunch of young guys together, I think it was after Kairos uh, or one of the the retreats or at the end of the year, and just said to these dudes, 
hey, you guys should consider being a priest. And then Ken Harder gave his sort of vocation testimony that, you know, he got his master's degree in mechanical engineering, was working, just bought him like a brand new Japanese race car, uh, was engaged to get married and then really broke it all off to go to seminary to be a priest. And he said the story. He's telling us the story. And he gets to the end. And I say, you know how I kind of say things? Yeah. I said, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. You said that out loud? I did. That was I did. rude. Yeah, whatever's going on in my brain usually comes out of my mouth. And so I, I had this whole idea. And, you know, I went to Catholic schools. And, you know, uh, I used to think, when I was a little kid, that priesthood was easy. All, all priests did was celebrate mass and then go back to the rectory and that's just watch right. TV. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. So there, there I was, uh, age of uh, 18, age of 19, 19. I enlisted in the Air Force when I was 18, right before graduating from high school. Went off to boot camp in February 1st of 1995. And so I was a 19-year-old kid, and I was sitting literally on the parade deck underneath our basic training building, and I was polishing my leather boots. No, guys don't wear it. We don't wear leather boots anymore. I was polishing my boots, and I heard this voice, absolutely super loud voice, say, if this priest, uh, sorry, if this military thing doesn't work out, you should be a priest. And I turned around to look because the voice was so loud. I thought people were having – there was all these people out smoking and talking on the phone, on the, on the pay phones, and different basic training battalions gathered wow. together. And so I was like, wait, wait, wait. That doesn't make a lick of sense. That doesn't make a lick of sense. Like where did I hear that from? Like where did that come from? If this military thing doesn't work out, you should be a priest. Very clear and very loud. Very recognizable. Is that the only time? No, I get to. I get to. The, there was a. There was a. Uh, a third time as well. Oh, goodness. Uh, that all this happened, and so as I traveled the world, you know, I got confirmed at Camp Humphreys Army Post in South Korea. I was an Air Force detachment there, and when I got confirmed in, wow. ni- it's like that was like 1999. I was confirmed. Uh, because we didn't have a bishop in the Diocese of Tulsa in 94 when confirmations were going. Oh, yeah. So I just kind of slipped under the radar. So I got confirmed. And you know what's wild is I started going to daily mass almost immediately. I started going to daily mass there at Camp Humphreys. And then I, when I went to Langley Air Force Base, I started going to daily mass there and working out at the gym right across the street. And this little old blue-haired lady one time said, I think you should be a priest. And I was like, blue-haired ladies rule. Out of nowhere, like I don't even remember her name. And then on another occasion, Father Ed Moran uh, was standing at the door of Langley Air Force Base Chapel right there across the street from the gym. And I'm walking out of daily mass, and then I lied to a priest. I looked him right in the eye and lied to him. You know where liars go. Uh, they go to confession. That's right. So uh, he asked, he said, Hey, Carrie, I'd like to talk to you about your vocation. And I said, what's a vocation, Father Ed? And he said, I think you should be a priest. And I said, I think you're crazy. But I took him up on the lunch offer anyway because, I mean, like, free, free meal, lunch, yeah. free lunch at a really great barbecue place. So that there was a lot of stuff that was that was going on at that time of just, like, inner turmoil because I had all of these experiences – throughout the previous like 12 years of my life where the priesthood had shown up like a very clear, if this military thing doesn't work out, you should be a priest. 
So, uh, so in 2000, I was, ge- I was getting ready to re-enlist in the Air Force. And I was going to do another six years in the Air Force. Don't do it. And this guy from a government agency offered me a, a double. The CIA? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> offered me a lot of dough to go do satellite communication stuff for this government agency. And I was like, yes. So I went out to Colorado. And when I got out there, I couldn't stop thinking about priesthood as well. See, I think there's a misconception people have sometimes that it's a, like you read, like Acts, Acts of the Apostles chapter 9 is the conversion of St. Paul, mm-hmm. and it's a very dramatic story. Paul is a being a turd. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's killing people and persecuting Christians, and, and like God like strikes him down, and he, you know— scales over his eyes, uh-huh. Jesus appears to him. So we have, I think, sometimes this, and there are stories like that. I mean, I know people who have had kind of really sort of one-time dramatic conversions. Most of the people that I know who are priests or religious, it was not dr- a dramatic scene. It was, I mean, in your case, oh, this is over the course of, from from the conversation with Bishop Muggenberg and and Father Ken. That was eighteen. To now I'm like twenty three and a half. To 24. like to like go saying I'm going to seminary. I mean that's ten years. Yeah, a, you know a, a good chunk of time. Yeah, I went to seminary when I was twenty six. Yeah, that God. So I mean God is like revealing over time what he what he wants of us. Yeah, I think one of the actually the biggest moments in this whole like shift, which got me out of the Air Force at the age of 20, uh, at the age of 24. What got me out of the Air Force at the age of 24 and not out of the Air Force at the uh, age of 43, which would be like next year. Oh man, like what? Crazy. Like what happened? There was this moment. I was sitting in MEPS, where you have your like your you get your physical, and then they select your Air Force specialty code of where you're going to go to boot camp. And so I was I was headed aviation, airplanes, jet engines, all the way. And I'm sitting in the sound booth, and I've got my earmuffs on, and they like they're testing your hearing. And so there's these little noises that go beep. Then you raise your hand. Yeah. No, you push a little button. Oh. You push a little button in a, in a thing. Well, so I'm doing wonderful because I have really good hearing. And then all of a sudden, a guy starts shuffling his feet. And I can't hear the noises. Like, I hear it and I was like, is that a beep? And so I push the button. And I'm listening and I hear this guy shuffling his feet and kind of moving his hands. And then I was like, is that, was that a beep? And then the guy who is running, or the person running this whole sound uh, ear testing, says, number four, stop pushing the button. That was me. So I was pushing the button because I, I, I couldn't hear. So I failed my hearing test. So I failed my hearing test, and they wouldn't let me go into aviation because I had a 10% hearing loss in my ear, in my left ear, which was the same side as the number three was rubbing his stupid feet on the ground. So hate number three. I hate. So I had to drop out of Votech, which I was getting my airframe license my senior year of high school, and I was going to do that for the next year. And then, so I had to go a whole nother branch. So I went satellite communications branch. Well, what was really hilarious is I had to go. You have to do another physical before you go to basic training, and they ran me through the whole gauntlet again 
I do my hearing test and they're like, wow, your eyes are really terrible, but you have incredible hearing. I have better than perfect hearing. Yeah. It's just, it's awesome hearing. But if it hadn't been for that guy (laughs) in that sound booth rubbing his feet, I would have stayed in the Air Force 25 years and would never be a priest and a pastor of pain. That's crazy. You want, okay, so the, this is the this is the rest of it. So aviation has played an incredible role in my in my life of conversion and just like the joy of living. So I I'm bouncing around the country. I can't settle. I can't settle. I, you know, I'm just running. I'm running from the Lord. Like every time I hear you should be a priest, I run. So I was down in um, I was I was down in Herbert Field, Florida at. Um, uh, Fort Walton Beach area on a on a job working for this government agency, and I had my feet propped up, and I ha- I was in a high rise condo, so I was living in Colorado and in Florida, on the beach in the mountains uh, in Colorado Springs, and then on the beach, and I had my feet propped up, and I was looking out this big glass window, and I just spent the previous hour or two just out running and swimming in the ocean and just having a real good time during the summer, the end of summer in Florida. And I, I got my feet propped up and I said, okay, Lord, why do I have more money than I can spend? An awesome girlfriend. I'm living in Florida and in Colorado. I have an incredible job. Why is it I'm still miserable. Why am I so unhappy? Like, why am I still miserable? I have everything that people say. You, this, these things will make you happy. This, this stuff will make you happy. I'm getting my education, double electrical engineering, space com paid for by this this government agency. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I hear this voice say the same voice I heard polishing boots. Go the distance. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. No, I heard the voice say, the same voice say, it's because you're supposed to be a priest. Why am I so miserable? It's because you're supposed to be a priest. So what do you do when you hear a voice like that? Run. You you run. So I went back to Colorado, quit my job, moved into New York, and took a job, a terrible, terrible job uh, at a data switching company. Oh, you're good at running. Oh, so I arrive in New York. And I get to this like extended stay America sort of hotels, and I'm going to stay there for like um, a couple weeks. It's got you know kitchenettes and beds, so I'm going to stay there. And my first night, I can't sleep, and then I finally go to sleep, and I wake up in the morning, and I hear this voice, the same voice, say, "You can run, but you'll only die tired." And that actually. Wow. That's a, it's a it's one of my favorite quotes in the aviation world. It's the it's the motto on the nose art on the AC130 Spectre. It says you can run, but you only die tired. And I was laying there and I was like, I am so tired of running from you, God. And I was like, go to seminary. Mm. I was like, pass, <laughs> hard pass. So it took me like another 2 years to go to seminary after that. So I didn't wow. go to seminary till So now most people, uh, most, I mean, the, to hear that, to hear that voice, I would, I would put you in the, in the minority. Yes. Is that right? Or, uh, I mean, yeah. are there other, other people have heard sim- a similar voice? I, I don't know. Well, God speaks to different people in different yeah, ways. Yeah, no, no, like, that's what I, what I was, what I guess what I was trying to get across is like, uh, you know, there's people out there 
some young man, young woman listening, and they're like, "Well, I haven't, I haven't heard that kind of voice. I guess I'm not." I also called. got a lot. I've never heard that. Right. But then you get like the blue-haired lady telling you, and the priest at the door, and then yeah, you're for me through other through other people, right? And the then a girlfriend showing others. up and saying, "Hey, you should discern your vocation." That happens to people. Um, mine was a lot of like upset stomach, like, "Why do I have everything and I'm still not happy?" You know, they, there's that line that's like, "You have a god-sized hole in it, and you're stu- and you're set, put trying to put empty things into it." And so for god-shaped some people, it's that, hole, yeah, yeah, there's. There's just a, an emptiness in there, and it's like, okay, Lord, why do I have everything, but it's still empty? So there's a n- number of—some people see the beauty of service. Like, I've had my, my friends who, like, they loved serving the people of God, and they said, I feel like I should be a priest, and they do it. Yeah, and I think that that's w- when you see a young person in your life that has that uh, a willingness to serve— uh, and a love for God, even if it's not perfect. I mean, so maybe you know something about them where they're, you know, they've had a, maybe a little checkered past, or, or they're they're not perfect. Right. And I think sometimes we, well, one, you're. I'll just speak for myself here. Your priests are are not perfect. You know what? Uh, we oh. we have all kinds we go to of, confession all every kinds week of too. faults and go to confession like everybody else. Um, but I think sometimes we have this idea that a guy or a girl needs to be sort of at this like major they need to be super holy like before they can even consider it and we would say i know from our experience like se- in the seminary seminary is a place it's a place to discern it's a place mm-hmm. to okay Precisely. so if you you feel called but you're not quite sure we'll the, we'll go go and 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 live it and and that's that's one of the ways you're going to know if this is for real Right, both on your side, but then also on the church's side. We want to uh-huh. see who you are, and you know, are you for real? Are you willing to become the man that God wants you to be, and yeah, the church needs? Conform to the image of of Christ. Yeah, there's all sorts of different vocation stories. I know young men who just like from day one when they were kids, they were like, "I want to be a priest." Yeah, a lot of people knew from from way back. There's a little kid, uh, not us, C- Seattle, uh, Emmanuel's uh, son, uh, Jacob, who. From as a little boy, he's like, he's now in seventh grade. He just that's all he wants to do is be a priest. We always say here, if we could, if we could ordain fifth graders, we'd have, <laughs> we'd have so many priests in Payne County. We have all these kids, all these uh, a lot of the, bo- the boys who serve mass, yeah. and, you know, who are just so gung ho about the priesthood, and it's uh, it's fun. It's yeah, fun. it's fun to watch. So we're at the end of this Vocations Awareness Week, and and really just an encouragement for everyone listening, wherever you are, um, is to encourage young people. But but you got to speak up. Certainly, pray to pray for them. But if you see a young person at your parish, to wa- literally walk up to them, and if you don't want to walk up to them, then hit, write them a note. Um, find them and encourage them, um, and 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 be specific. You know, to to say like, hey, I've noticed. You're here at Mass. I noticed you, the way you speak to people is, you know, just has a very calming presence or it gets people excited about the joy of the Lord. Uh, be specific uh, of why you think they should, they might be called to the priesthood or, or religious life. Do it for the boys. Do it for the girls. Um, there's, there is you, you, things like that. And I told, told my Mary Rose story. I mean, that had a lasting impact yeah. on me as, uh-huh. a, as a young man. 
one of the uh, one of the things that got me and really helped me along. There's this prayer by Thomas Merton, Father Thomas Merton, the Trappist, and I found it in a um, in a library in Schenectady, New York. And so, for you all out there who were like in my situation, who didn't know what you're doing in life or how to get there, there's this prayer. Have you ever heard this one? I my Lord know. God, I have oh, no yeah. idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death? I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. I love that. That my my desire to please you pleases you. Yeah. I may not be on the right path, but Lord, show me. Um, that's a great prayer for young people out there. Love it. I will say this, and that's being a priest is pretty darn good. In the, in the words of the greatest good. song of the Lego movie, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. <laughs> Living the dream, We're dude. We're on the Lord's, the Lord's team. The winning side. That's right. So raise your glass. All right. Uh, we hope everyone has a great week. Um, keep praying for us and uh, pray for vocations from Payne County. Blessings. Blessings.